0: Hello, my name is Michael Nunley from Omen Comics and Revelation Comics. I had a great time on Comics and Pop-Tarts podcast talking about making comics on that long and windy road it takes to make them. I recommend this show to anyone who wants to give a little bit back to the community and for creators maybe learn a little something about making comics. Welcome back listeners to another exciting episode of comics and pop tarts tonight I don't have a guest so it'll just be me talking one-on-one with all of you and if you're listening to comics and pop tarts well you are the reason I do this show and I appreciate all 11 countries more than likely 12 or 13 now who listen every week when you can. I appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoy the Saturday releases so that you don't feel obligated to watch the show on Fridays. And I hope a lot of you enjoy Wednesdays. Quick update. The Substack newsletter is going to be postponed um, for a few weeks. I'm in the process of doing some creative work, uh, freelancing, but also um, personal. It's it's a, somewhat of a marketing endeavor. That I'm trying to accomplish to see if the information that I've received on passive income in this specific niche is correct. So it's taking up a lot of my time. Um, But you could still go subscribe to the newsletter because soon I'll be making weekly updates for progress on Wild Oni. Which the Kickstarter campaign is almost set up for for, uh, pre-registration. Which means the pre-launch page will be up soon. Once that is, I'll update the blog that I created uh, about a month ago with links to that. Um, Big shout out to John Labatard and the guys over at Gamers and Geeks in Mobile, Alabama. If you guys haven't been there, that store is freaking amazing. But I'm shouting out to them for inviting me to come and participate in the awesome KaijuCon that we had this past weekend. Uh, It was an amazing event. I met a lot of great people. I got to meet Steve Butler. um, Super awesome guy. Y'all, Steve Butler's daughter is coming up through the ranks. And she is almost as incredible as Steve. And one day I'm sure she'll break through his mold and she'll be way better. But she is going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, in the comic world. Um, We'll see more on that. But it was nice to meet him. I picked up. I picked up a few cool prints um, he had at his table. He did a special one for Kaiju-Kan, which I thought was really awesome, which was a, a Godzilla, um, completely rendered and colored. And then I picked up uh, two prints. Um, I think I believe these are 8x11, eight by, eight by but one is of the original White Tiger that Marvel Comics did way back in the day. Um, so for those of you who are familiar with um, Spider-Man, they did an animated series um, a few years back, and it, it included Spider-Man, who was working alongside Luke Cage's team, to be the leader of that team. And one of the one of the one of the heroes that he ended up being close with was White Tiger. But it's the female White Tiger. She has amazing agility, strength. Um, the original White Tiger um, got his power from this pendant. And it kind of like transmorphed him into the um, tiger it's very similar to g man comics uh lynx characters there's a, a, a male and female uh, lynx characters i backed this campaign recently on indiegogo that steve butler and rob liefeld did covers on g man comics go check them out really cool really cool books uh, sergeant flag uh, Lynx, and a bunch of other characters and they had a really cool guide that was, uh, that was really awesome. I will provide links to, to all that in the show notes. So tonight we're talking about several things. We are talking about, A, Miss Marvel as a review for the series overall. Uh, we're talking about Disney Plus series and what Marvel and Disney are doing to the franchise. And kind of my insight and my opinions on how I, how I think that that's actually going to hurt the MCU in the long run. And why it's just better to do feature films. And um, we're also talking about uh, another MCU topic, uh, which is uh, Jean, Giancarlo Exposito, which has been reported by Mo viewers on MovieWeb.com. Um, for partici- Particularly has been eyed or rumored For the role of Professor X in upcoming X-Men franchise movies or TV series. Or maybe it's really just the animated series that's going to relaunch. Which I have two separate opinions for. So, um, as always, like, share, and subscribe. It always helps the channel grow and procure more guests. I was going to have Joel, uh, Joel Rodriguez from Scout, the letterer for the Dusk County Chronicles. Uh, on t- today, but um, he wasn't able to make it given his busy schedule, and because Dust Cannon Chronicles 2 is out on Kickstarter right now. So, I hope to procure him next week for next week's shows. Exciting guest. I'm going to have a really cool guest, um, movie star, actually. Um, I believe, um, joined with me by Alan Johnson. Um, for all of you who don't remember, he was the creator for Kaiju Mania um, That I did an episode for Two, three weeks back So I was going to be joined by a uh, movie star guest They've recently partnered up To do a CDCC Tour From New Mexico All the way to San Diego Comic Con Of course San Diego Comic Con is hugest, It's the biggest Comic Con of the year uh, It is the granddaddy um, Lots of people have had success there I know for Inked Studios LLC. Uh, a lot of our clients are going to be out there this weekend, uh, most notably Adam Lawson, uh, also Wesley Snipes, the creators of uh, the co-creators with their other partner. Um, sorry, guys, his name escapes me, but uh, they're going to be out there in San Diego Comic-Con. They're doing giveaways and Wesley Snipes is signing some stuff. Uh, it's really awesome. It's, it's going to be really cool. Y'all get a chance uh, go out there, see Adam Lawson, support the Exile. Also, you can support them by going to ink.pub forward the Exile uh, to pick up the graphic novel. Now, if, I'm telling you guys, if you guys back the veteran tier, you're gonna get a six-inch PVC statue replica of of Roach Washington, Detective Niles, the main character of the book. You're gonna get you're gonna get the um, the original graphic novel, which was 140 plus plays, pages you're also going to get the story that happens hundreds of years before that story, The Forgotten Wars. It's going to be awesome. I had to have it all. I don't like reading something that's got history because I want to know more about the story. So I went ahead and I backed that tier. I had no shame in doing so. Recently this past year, I've backed lots of big campaigns for lots of, big, for, for lots of reasons. Uh, Shadow's Daughter I backed um, this past year. Morgan Quaid. Had a tier for a co-write, so I'll have a um, I'll have a one-shot comic coming out with as a co-writer with Morgan Quaid for Shadow Star sometime this year or Q one of next year. I also back this year War Angels by Mountaineer Productions, uh, amazing comic, amazing characters. They're mainly female uh, protagonists uh, chosen. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. They have lots of interesting. Uh, female characters themes Um, it's all about angels and war and death Uh, they also have um so the tier i basically backed for that was to get an executive producer credit but also because it came with all these all these different books and they were all really great i suggest you guys go check out mountaineer productions they just had their kickstarter for for issue eight and they always offer the back issues Um, so they have a trade collect one through five and then they have six seven and eight now which will be out single so in about two more issues they'll have another trade out but they always offer trades or they always offer physical add-ons for their for their previous books on their current campaign runs so mountaineer productions go check them out also this past year i backed a book which i'll be in uh, it's called disciples they're independent comic makers but i'll i will be in i will be on my front cover as a fan uh, it's a wrestling book. I thought it was really cool. I was a big wrestler growing up. I had plans on going into a, being a, a professional wrestler as a career. I even went to SWA here in the South before they closed out. Um, things just didn't work out the way I wanted it to, and I became a family man. And, of course, there's always that one deciding factor when it comes to being a professional wrestler because you have to move around a lot and travel to get work. You're not really able to be the family man you can be growing up this this, this. This resonated with me really big because as a child I didn't have a real biological father figure growing up I didn't know my dad and I didn't meet him until I was 16 So it was something that I chose not to do and I just pursued a career in, in retail up until I went to college And now I'm a podcaster and a writer So, But it's a really cool concept, really cool book I've always wanted to be in a wrestling book on the cover um, I was a huge fan of Tony Shivan Tony Shivani's Butts and Seats graphic novel when it came out. But uh yeah, so KajuCon was a big success. Like I said, I met Steve Butler. I also met a couple of great ladies at a place called Flatline Comics. Um they're a bunch of creators uh out of Fair Hope. And um they have amazing horror books. Uh steampunk, horror, uh a lot of end Days, Armageddon, apocalypse style books. Uh, great, great, great artwork. Um, I don't know the content of the stories. I did buy a volume one of one of their books, and I hope to read it soon. I'll put a review up, and I hope to have one of them, or both of them, on the show uh, pretty soon. But um, we, were trying to, we were trying to get them to come to Inked so we can work with them. So we always like to pick up new creators. Speaking of which, if you guys... If there's anybody out there in the audience who ever wanted to create a comic book, or you have one in production... You're not quite sure where to get you know all the, all the other facets or all the other collaborators like artists or colorers or pencilers or editors like myself then uh, go to ink go to inkpub.com hit the contacts um, put in the code 0808 if you are a creator with the book and you're looking for marketing help we'll give you a discount on your package or uh, a specific Number of packages. If you become a retainer client, we appreciate those more. Also, if you're looking for creator services, we also offer that too. So, anyway, let's go. Let's go into the quicker topic. Um, so to finish out, you know, again, Kaijucom is great. Uh, appreciate you, John. Uh, appreciate you, gamers and geeks. Can't wait to go back again. Can't wait to see who I meet, who collaborate with. It's gonna be awesome. So. Gianno Carlo Exposito. I love this man as a bad guy. He did an amazing job in The Mandalorian. He also did an amazing job in Far Cry 6. He is, a, he is a gangster if you ever saw one. And I'm talking on Capone level gangster. He does really, really good being a bad guy. In fact, I can't remember a role where I've, I've seen him as a good guy... Or a vulnerable person who just can take it, right? Pretty much like the punching bag of all the big bullies and all the TV shows that you've watched growing up with. Like, if you've, if you've watched any of the new Spider-Man animated series that, that recently came out, both on Netflix and Disney+, uh, Doc Ock's origin story is kind of him being the scientist who creates all these, all these villains for, for Norman Osborn... Uh, up until he decides to take matters into his own hands, short circuits his arms, and his arms and him become one. But he spends a majority of the first half of the first season taking nothing but crap from Norman Osborn. That uh, was quite perplexing. But it actually worked. So, But, um, I mean, come on, guys. The boys, the original bad guy for Vought, is Giancarlo Exposito. I mean, he plays the maniacalist really good. He's a—he's got a really great, like a really solid foundation of what it's like to be a cynical bad guy, like to the max. To the max. But as far as him being Professor X, I just I I, I wouldn't be able to take him seriously. Now I want to make one thing clear. You're like, oh, Mike, well, well, that's just a racist thing to say, or, um. I mean, why, why wouldn't you give a man of color a spot as, as professional Charles Xavier? Well, I have an answer to that. And I don't have to explain myself, but it's a big topic these days. And I would hate to offend anybody who supports my show. So, check it. I have a big problem with comics. And I have a big problem with this topic finding its political way into comics, and even in film. And the term is going to come up. The term they call it is gender-bending. And they use diversity as a weapon. They use it as a weapon against, against people who are accused of being non-empathetic towards those who haven't had the spotlight. Now, in my opinion, I'm not going to say that they're exactly wrong. Because the film industry has been majority, has been has been a majority of Caucasian leads, uh, Caucasian behind the behind the scenes workers, but I'm sorry, in the last twenty or thirty years, that has not been the case. To me, that has not been the case, and the reason I say that is there are thousands upon thousands of independent films that hit circuits all around the world, the world, not just in America, the world. Made up of diverse castes and not just Caucasian people. This whole hit, hit and, and run mindset that people have adopted when it comes to bashing white people for something that happened, you know, I don't know, I guess 100 years ago, that may still exist in countries around the world, I think it's quite unfair. And on a political note, in the future, there might be some whiplash Because I'm not going to feel sorry for my skin color. And I'm sorry people feel sorry for their skin color. But I've never grown up and disrespected anybody by the color of their skin. And I don't think that has anything to do with filmmaking. I don't think that should have anything to do with making comic books. It shouldn't. The reason we love comic books are the stories. Whether they're filled with inherently... With with inherent Caucasian people Or whether they're filled with Inherent black people Or Mexican people Or Japanese people Or Thai people or Philippine people Or German people or Russian people Nationality, sex, gender Whatever It's because we like comics We like the way they function We like the way the functionality Of how that is projected to us When we read it affects us, not just mentally, but also physically, because mentally does affect us physically on a chemical level. I want to apologize for that, and I'm sorry if that upsets you. That is not my intention. My intention is to have a responsible adult conversation about these topics that that are being weaponized and thrown into the entertainment industry to gain traction because the media won't give it fair use. I love Giancarlo Esposito. He is a he's a solid man. I've watched interviews of him. I've read articles about him. I've never met him in person. Probably will never get the chance to. But if I could, I would shake his hand and thank him for all the roles that he's done. That's played a role in my entertainment, including in Far Cry Six. He plays a really solid, cold demeanor. He has that face of an experienced, long life man who is just has broad understanding of the human complexities of being cynical, being good, being not good. I mean, those are all qualities it takes to play bad guys. Probably, he's, he's probably more of a bad guy in real life than he is, is in the show. Who knows? I just don't think he'd be great as Professor X. Now, if we're talking about animation, I think he'd be great as a voice. He sounds, he sounds really vibrant He can be cold at times, but calculating. But he's intelligent. He is intelligent. And to be completely honest, when you're watching him on The Boys... Or you're watching him in The Mandalorian... Watch his face. Watch the way he speaks... As his face reacts to the words coming out of his mouth. They're in such synchronicity... That it is almost like... His his efforts to memorize his lines... And to practice the way he acts and bring those characters to life, it's almost genuine, as if they come natural to him. That's hard to find in quality actors. Of course, you would have to know a lot about the industry to understand what it would take to be a quality actor, not just an actor who can do good enough. I hope that makes sense to somebody out there. My My issue is this. This has, this has a lot to do with like the gay Superman, um, the transgender Captain Americas. I don't have a problem that Superman's gay. I wouldn't have a problem if they did a live-action Professor x role and Giancarlo Esposito got the, got the part. Here's my issue. When these were originally created, right? When they were originally incepted into reality. Guys, you can't argue. They were created by white guys. Who cares what their political views were? These characters originally, if they were Caucasian, they were Caucasian. It's not like a legacy character where, like Boba Fett wears a suit and a helmet. Anybody can be Boba Fett. You just have to have the suit and the helmet. That's a legacy character that can carry on the mantle. Moon Knight is apparently one of those characters. I wouldn't be mad if there was a Black Moon Knight, which there kind of is with the Hunter Moon... In the Red Blood and White series, the new one that just came out this past year. Not the point, though. My, my, my point is, those powers carry on. We're talking about an entirely different character in Professor X. This would, this would make Professor X different. You wouldn't love him for the right reasons anymore. Especially if they used him inside the same Earth that a lot of these stories in the comic books are being projected by. And I know there's a controversy surrounding, oh, well, Mike, when you do the film or you do a TV show, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be exact like in the comic books. You are totally right. Totally right. You are right. I'm not arguing that fact. Because if they were, they'd probably be born. Because at that point, adaptation law would be, be, violate, would be violated because that's not how we're taught to adapt IPs or franchises into different types of media. You're supposed to put your own spin on it. You're supposed to. That's that's how that works. It's like when a singer sings somebody else's song, they have to make it theirs. They can't just sing the same thing, that would be that would be ludicrous. I mean, yeah, sure. We we'd all love to hear George Strait sing a Conway Twitty song like Conway Twitty because George Strait has a has a very finesse voice. It's very soothing and appealing just like Conway Twitty's was, but that would I mean, that's plagiarism. That's copyright. Nobody wants to hear that. Now, when George Strait did the Take It Away, he did it his own way, so it didn't sound like Conway's Witty. It sounded like a brand new single from George Strait. For those of you who don't know country music, you can go look it up. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Apologize if you don't. Now, I hope this makes sense. Now, if Giancarlo Exposito were to play Professor Xavier on a different Earth. Or if Gay Superman were on a different Earth. Or if Transgender Captain America was on a different Earth. In a different timeline. That didn't touch the original material. The source material. I'd be, I'd be perfectly okay with that. My issue with comics is is in gender bending and, and race changing. And, and sexualizing characters just because we want to see a transgender Captain America is that you're trying to force something from its original concept to something that it's not. It's egotistical, and it's negative. Yes, it is. It is egotistical, and it's negative. I hear you thinking, for those of you this, who this might offend, That's is not my intent. Guys, if you want to stand out, as creators, if we want to be set apart, if we don't want to live in the shadow of Spider-Man, then we act like James Powell and we create the White Widow. She's sexy? She actually had parents? Which is one of the things that aggravates me the most about Spider-Man's origin stories. We never really... We're never really explore Peter's parents. Not wholly. And if I'm wrong, you're more than welcome to send me a voice message pointing me to the source material that, that, that answers that controversy for me. And, and I will do another so episode. Thank you and apologize for being wrong. But James Powell created the White Widow. Yes, it is an arachnid character. Yes, she has webs. However, it's a different story. It's a different art. She's a female. Spider-Man's a male. Happens in a different universe. Has different villains. She has different goals and wants and needs. These are things that define characters. That makes White Widow her own thing. It makes her unique. That's why she did so wonderful when she released... Now they're on issue 10 and 11. It's it's profound. It's profound that that race and 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 sexualization is being a topic at all anymore. Wow, there might be while there might be certain parts of America who haven't fully understood that Black people are people, white people are people, and the only thing that defines us are our traditions and our beliefs. And I remember a time where our differences used to be celebrated. They used to be celebrated. And now they're anything but celebrated. You can't make something it's not. For the trans and gay community, the same the same applies. Guys, you can't transgenderize every character. You can't. But it's not going to work. That character, especially those who have lived on through the 60s, have garnered whole families. Generations of fans who have evolved from generations of other fans. You might find those who aren't in agreement with your lifestyle, your changes, your personality, your choices. That's okay. Freedom was designed for other people to have the freedom of opinion and the freedom of speech. One we should all enjoy in matrimony and unity. And be responsible enough to recognize that your opinion is validated. However, it is not within my purview or my decision to agree with. Go about your expected ways. I don't understand inclusion and representation. The entertainment industry is creating less and less opportunity for Caucasians. And you know the crazy thing is... I'm half Italian. I tan pretty well, but for the majority of the time, I I still look white. What if my nationality became my identity? When I go to apply for a job, are people going to look at the color of my skin and determine I'm white and I'm lying about being an Italian? When I write an Italian character, are people going to persecute me for being white and I know nothing about Italy, my past? or what it is like to be Italian. That might be true. I've never been to Italy. My ancestors came from Italy, though they came through on the same boats that they brought black people in on. Fought alongside every diverse nationality. For those of you who haven't watched The Gangs in New York, that's pretty accurate telling of what was happening during that time. We fought alongside one another. Which is why I always thought that the the fight between, you know, race was was just stupid. It's dumb. It's a waste of breath. It doesn't celebrate anything. It doesn't get anybody nowhere. You know, the same goes for for gay and transgender or anybody who's involved in the LGBTQ community. It's great. I recognize your community. I recognize you as people. Just people with nuance. People with needs, well other needs, and people who make different choices. And that's is, that's I mean that's the whole foundation of in which America was founded on. So it's not that I have a problem with Gianna Car- Giancarlo Exposito being Professor Xavier. I have a problem that because he's diverse. And because he is so great at a lot of other different roles, there's no reason for him to turn a character into something that it's not. Put him on a different earth. Give him a new origin story. In an animated series, I'm okay with any color, race, nationality, or sexuality projecting their voice onto a character so long as it sounds great. I don't watch shows because I support gay people. I watch shows because I like the genre that it's in. I like the story it's telling. I, I look at the characters. I fall in love with those characters. Orville is a great example of all of these things combined into one. You know, between, between the rights issues of AI. And then there's the overtone male perspective of the world, which was created in the Mockless. If you guys are big fans of Bordis. I mean, his story is pretty much the perspective of, of males who sexually indemnify women. And I'm okay with that. It's a little irritating sometimes in the show because I feel like it overly focuses on it. But it respects both sides of the argument. I love Isaac's story, especially in the new season that just came out. It, it shows us a lot about you know, the rights and AI. It's important and I'm not saying these things aren't important. My point is that the Giancarlo Exposito rumored as 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 Professor Xavier is because it's if it's gonna be the original Xavier, I'd rather them just go back to the actor from first class. Representation is everything, right? Is it not? I mean that's basically the message that entertainment industry is putting out these days especially in comics. We can't just support people because of the color of their skin. We can't just support people because of their sexuality. If you want to that's great. That's not why I buy comics. It's not why I support things. And quite frankly it's an issue in the industry that's going to generate a lot of controversy in the future. It's just it comes out negative. And for those, for those who, want, who want to be seen in that different spectrum and be accepted by those, well, then you have to respect the boundaries of people who don't feel the, the, the way you do, who don't choose the things you choose because it is their right by nature to not agree. And that is the definition of freedom. And that's why a lot of people come to America. They have this idea that you can have those choices what people don't think about are the people who don't agree with those choices and so long as those people don't act violently on them they're within their right to have those opinions now if you if you decide to act on that in a manner that breaks laws well what happens what happens to what you say you represent i'm just saying That when it comes to the entertainment industry, especially in comics, we shouldn't force things that already have a history to be something it's not. We should be creating new material, new characters, and a new light. You want to create a transgender Captain America? That's great. Give me a story that shows the struggle of that transgender superhero who came up from nothing. Hell, you can even, you know, Captain Trans. I don't know. Whatever it is you call it. Whether they had super soldier serum or, I don't know, maybe they were maybe they were date raped. Maybe it came from a trauma thing. Who knows? Who knows what it would be? Just make it your own. Create something new. It's one of the things that I told a class that I spoke to recently at, at Full Cell when I was invited to speak to that class. One of the things... One of the things that I, I shared with them that I'm so proud of is that my new comic, Wild Oni, is going to be the flagship of a brand new online publisher. And it feels like I get to be a part of building something that's never been, that's never been recognized. That's exciting to me. It would be great if somebody bigger said, hey, I like old Wild Oni. How about selling me the copyrights? You get a piece of the pie, we'll keep you on. But we're going we're gonna to fund projects, and this is how it's going to be. If I got picked up by Dark Horse or if I got picked up by Aftershock, that would be awesome. I would start my freelance career. Maybe I'll write for Hellboy. Who knows? But what's more exciting is that I've created something brand new that is of that IP caliber, but I get to put it under a brand new label. And I get to be the first. And I get to be a part of something special. That's exciting. Imagine feeling that way about a brand new trans superhero. You get to be the basis of that story. Imagine telling that as a brand new black superhero. Or a brand new South American superhero. Or a brand new Italian superhero. or A brand new Canadian superhero. That has nothing to do with Marvel, DC, Image, Boom, Aftershock, Dark Horse, none of that. Got to be your own. These are how franchises like the boys became successful. That's all I'm saying. Big topic. (laughs) Now find ourselves as comic book fans I'm sure a lot of you are fans of the Disney Plus series right everybody loved Moon Knight She-Hulk's on the way Miss Marvel just came out Loki was a success Captain America and the Winter Soldier good show That was probably a setup for the Thunderbolts. Got Secret Wars on the way as well. There is... There's a trend in these Disney Plus shows that I recognize after watching this Marvel that I don't think anybody is paying attention to. We're going to talk about it right after this commercial break. Don't go anywhere. And if you do, come back, listen to the second half of the show. I promise You don't want to miss the next segment. Thank you. What's up, Pop-Tart Nation? Welcome to the Tarty Party. My name is Inevitable Mike. Of course you know because you're listening to this show right now. And I want to thank you for listening to this show. I appreciate it. What I wanted to talk about real quick in this commercial break is Wild Oni page on Facebook is up. You can go to hashtag Legend of the Wild Oni, or at Wild Oni, or just go to Facebook, type in Wild Oni, go like the page, subscribe, lots of cool updates. I'll be posting two, three times a week there. And if you don't know, go to the blog on Comics and Pop-Tarts.com where you can leave me a voicemail, potentially be heard in the show. Let me know what you like about Wild Onion, what you're looking forward to, what you like about the show, what you'd like to see or hear on the show. And maybe if you have a suggested guest, maybe I could make an active goal of making that requested guest a guest on the show so you can hear from them. I always appreciate emails, comments. Go subscribe to the, the Comics Substack Newsletter. Always, always leave open comments there for fans to go in and comment on my newsletter. I appreciate you guys all around the world in all the 11 countries that I know of and possibly more who listen to the show every week. I appreciate it. Now, back to the Tony Party! Hey guys, welcome back to the Tardy Party, Inevitable Mike, I hope you enjoyed my commercial. Again, please go check out Wild Oni on Facebook, brand new page, just created, pre-launch page is coming soon. So before um, we took a break for a minute, I brought up the fact that Disney Plus shows in the MCU and Disney right now are doing something I don't think anybody recognizes. So in comics, when you write a comic book, you have something called a one-shot. Now, for those of you who don't know, a one-shot comic could be anywhere from 22 to 32 pages. It's about the industry standard size of a normal comic book. It used to just be 22, but Marvel's made exceptions to 28 all the way up to 32 pages in the past, along with a lot of other ones. In my opinion, any 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 page count after 36, and up, up to 48, is a graphic novel. I mean, it's 50 pages. That's a, That takes a long time to read. About a half hour at best, depending on what your reading level is. My point is, at 22 pages, if you do a miniseries, it's between 1 to 6 books long. Now, you collect them after the trade. A lot of people stop at 4. Um, but it's generally 1 to 4, 1 to 6. Now, 1 through 8 and 1 to 12, those are full series runs. If you haven't noticed, Disney+, Plus, Marvel, Studios, and Disney+, And they're doing with the Star Wars franchise as well. But there are Star Wars comics, so I guess that pertains. They're making miniseries out of their characters. And they're weaving in all these different storylines. There's a problem with that. We're setting up very big expectations. Where Disney and Marvel are taking very big risks with actors. For very, very big IPs. Um... The reason I say is risks is because we don't know if Oscar Isaac is going to come back as Moon Knight. And then you have actors who actually play certain roles, and they want bigger roles in the franchise because they see the payouts of Robert Downey Jr., who made $20 million alone just doing the first Endgame. Uh, Chris Evans. I mean, these actors have made hundreds of millions of dollars over the last 10 years uh, for the second, third, first phase of the MCU, setting up all these things for what is now being garnered as MCU phase four going into phase five, which will have a lot more, you know, Eternals and X-Men in. The problem with this is, and this directly relates to my review of Miss Marvel, we have very slow buildups, with very slow, somber settings. And most of these are emotional beats. They're not really they're not really large climactic or epic showdowns they're not impressive or generally speaking villain introductions they're not setting up any large connected conflict like miss marvel is supposed to be part of a brand new avengers which i would assume would be the avengers initiative I believe if I remember correctly at the end of um, Captain America the Captain America Falcon and the Winter Soldier series um, Falcon came back to help War Machine put brand new Avengers to work right so if that's the case Miss Marvel will eventually find herself there and uh um we're not exactly i mean cross crossing over these ips between like Sony's spider-man which if you watched hawkeye you'll notice that that in um the the christmas scene towards the end of the series uh that is the same square in which you you saw in the spider-man movie not no way home with the one before that um Which is really cool, and the only, the only crossover we've gotten in any of the Disney Plus series is, is, is DeFranco as, um, as Wilson Fisk, Kingpin. So, I mean, we also have Daredevil and Sony Spider-Man, but that was, that was in the feature film, so we've, we've kind of like, they've kind of like nipped over the Netflix series into the Disney Plus series to set up for something larger. Whether that's going to be a Defender Series 2, or we're going to see Luke Cage pop up in somebody else's show. I mean, what blows my mind is all these characters exist within within districts of each other, right? So if you've ever played any of the Insomniac Spider-Man games, or if you played any of the Lego games, like Marvel Avengers, the first one, you'll notice that when you go into certain areas, you're like, you can go to Hell's Kitchen as Spider-Man. You can go to Harlem. In fact, Miles Morales takes place in Harlem, primarily because that's where he ends up moving to after his dad dies. That's the district that his mom runs for office in. Is for Harlem. Well, where the hell is Luke Cage, Iron Fist, uh, White Tiger? Uh, God, a handful of people. Including, um, not Carol Danvers. Not C- Carol Danvers. Uh, but also uh, Jessica Jones. Hell, even her sister. Where they at? That's my problem. They're isolating all these characters, like, in their own neighborhoods or in their own, like, history, their own origins. But they're not, they're not connecting in the way that we would love to see them. You know how many people lost their crap in Suicide Squad when the Flash and Aquaman and then shadows of, like, Superman, Spider-Man, and Wonder Woman who, you know, couldn't make it. Uh, actually, I think Wonder Woman did make it. So it was the shadows of, uh, what, Superman? I don't believe Batman was there. But you know how many people lost their shit when they showed up at the end of Suicide Squad? It connected a a TV franchise for the first time with the film franchise. Because it was another film franchise. Furthermore, Warner Brothers basically said in a statement with a cameo from the Justice League that, hey, these Suicide Squad movies kind of interconnect with one another. It's crazy, right? My issue is, is this six-issue format that they're doing TV shows in, like comic books. The reason that the CW Arrowverse is so successful is because they take an entire cast of characters and they cross over characters from other places around Star City, like in Bloodhaven. Right? Right? All these different places. And they connect these characters. They focus on their origins. They focus on their conflict. I mean, look at the love triangle. Look at the love triangle between between Oliver. Uh, crap, what's her name? Oh, Black Canary. And who's the chick that shoots the hard arrows. Huntress. Classic storyline, right? From the comic books. Made fresh. It even extended over several seasons. I mean, that's that's the type of story value you can't get at these Disney Plus shows. Because they, they put a time limit on how they have to set these up. It's not going to work long term. It's giving us bits and pieces so they can do more films. Like... Thanks to COVID, with all the pushbacks on the films, thanks to conflicts like the Captain, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and the Falcon, uh, rights issues, the Spider-Man issues, all these other issues that Marvel's being sued for, as far as, like, copyrights, <laughs> and, um, and the Black Widow incident, uh, there's been a lot of pushback on features. But, Mike, you know, Thor 11 Thunder just dropped. I'm like, yeah, but when's the last film we got before that? The Spider-Man Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness mm. it's a long time to wait for a feature film which is why they started doing the Disney Plus shows but now the Disney Plus shows are falling short because there's not enough time to tell these characters in the light that they need to be told now this is going to kind of segue into the Miss Marvel Miss Marvel show and I didn't, I didn't agree with this show not because I have a problem with history. Not because I have a problem with Pakistani people. Um, contrary to popular belief, I was not... I was not happy in 2001 when our country went to war with Pakistan and Afghanistan and, and all the Middle Eastern countries besides India. I, I hated it. There, there there, are more reasons to talk about peace than there are war. I just That's just me. Um, even if you can't find love with a uh, love in collaboration with other professionals and the comics book in the comic book space, we just honor the project even if we don't get along with that person, we still honor the project this not may, this might not be the case for a lot of publisher relationships, but I'm sure there's horror stories out there and and I'm sure those horror stories end professionally, but on a personal level, they never make amends and that's okay. It has to be okay. Lots of people are different. Some people just have clashing views and are never able to be reminisced or are revisited for healing because there's no interest to heal. So, my issue was with the with the Miss Marvel show. Is I thought the first episode was great. It was kind of very reminiscent of the the Marvel Avengers game, where you actually play Miss Marvel as the protagonist, who basically discovers her powers, is working to grow her powers after A-Day, which was when when uh, AIM set off all these Terrigen bombs. Of course, the, you know, the world believed AIM to be the saviors, and they didn't know that they had been involved in that. But they gave her powers, she was controlling them, she got together with Iron Man, they got, well, she found the Hulk first, and then they got together with Iron Man, then they found Thor, brought the team back together so they could fight AIM and defeat MODOK that was basically the storyline for that game. But you got to play a majority of it with Ms. Marvel, so it was it was nice reminiscent of of what the show calls Avengercon. I'm not real big fan of the way they they've strayed away from her powers. However, I do see the liquidity in choosing the 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 VFX format. Because I imagine that stretching her as a character is more expensive than just applying light effects. But if you if you noticed in the show um, a few times that uh, she actually uses her light effect to create fists. it's a little on the nose when it comes to superpowers because it's almost it's almost a copycat of Green Lantern and the Green Lantern power power spectrum. And I know there's a lot of hardcore Lantern and DC fans out there who don't like that. And that's perfectly okay. It's just, the reason that was made is, out of, as I'm sure it became, uh, a production cost. Um, the, the lack of, the, the less stunts you have in a show, the, the less risk you take your actors of being coming injure, injured. For those of you who don't remember the motorcycle accident that killed the stunt driver for Domino in Deadpool 2. Uh, on the motorcycle for the motorcycle scene um, a lot of people don't remember that but it stopped production for about three days uh, it was it was a huge thing a lot of people thought i was going to kill the movie but it's just one of those things where especially when you have uh, brand new young actors like the like the the young girl who plays miss marvel who come on set and this is their first time. You don't want to involve them in a whole lot of action sequences, as far as like putting their body and, and their lives in the line, um, unless they're in shape and have have uh, somewhat of a pedigree, uh, years of doing this. So it was just it was just a safety call. I'm sure for productions. I'm sure the producers got together and discussed it with the director and all that. And that's kind of why. I'm not in I'm not in agreement with it, but. It did serve the show a purpose, and it gave it a it gave it a certain uniqueness to it that I appreciated, and it also kind of created this whole extra character with the name Nightlight, which I thought was kind of funny, and it was fun, and it was playful, and it was enjoyable. It was like um, Spider Man Far From Home <laughs> when they when uh, he was the Spider Man over there in the UK, and they created the the I think it was the Night Monkey. I, I I honestly can't remember, but um, it was hilarious. It was kind of reminiscent of that joke. The thing that ruins Miss Marvel for me as a show was not really the lack of time spent on her as a superhero, but more on her history. So, that being said, again, I want to. Be sensible to those who love the show, for those who are Pakistani, and for those of, for those who are female who love the show and feel like they can relate to her as not just a real life um, presentation of Miss Marvel from the comics, but also as uh, a symbol or a sigil of hope for their own goals and dreams uh, and career goals uh, in the future. So, I have. 100% nothing but love and heartache for the events leading up to the partition when Great Britain pulled out of India and split the country in two, which hasn't hasn't healed today. But you have to understand, and this is something that the show really doesn't show, that it's not the people that are different. Because this, this is a country where there's like, there's no Caucasian people. The Caucasian people left. What that did, it created a vacuum. So, what I'm trying to explain is, is that when someone invades your country and they just happen to be a different color, whatever problems that country had stopped and they unified. There was no color difference there, right? And this is this is the problem I have with race. the The race argument, not race in general. Because I don't have any problem with with race as a whole. Like, and as far as I'm concerned, if you bleed red, then I mean we're all the same. If you bleed another color, I'm going to have lots of questions for you, and I'm not going to treat you any different than you know if you were to bleed red. And that's only when your blood hits the oxygen. Other than that, everything's pretty much bluish purple. So when the when when the giant problem in your country, the invaders. Or, quote white people, leave. Then the problems that those people had before, <laughs> before those people had invaded the country, um, they become a problem again. And it's because the last generation, who who spent their entire lives in in servitude and bondage under these masters or slavers or invaders, whatever you'd like to call them. Um, All three are pretty much, I mean it's correct terminology given the circumstance. They spend their entire lives secretly hating or harboring problems, but a lot of the older people who probably took it for what it was and enjoyed the life and made, you know apples out of oranges, Probably told the, the next generation a lot of stories of the old days where Hinduism and <laughs> and the religious beliefs of you know that side of Pakistan um they didn't mesh too well. And if anybody knows anything about history, religion has caused more deaths than race has. <laughs> it's just a fact. My issue with the show is while we're talking about real life history they've threaded her origins and not only did they create a time a time traveling issue right because there was no time dilation so she was the same age when she rescued her grandma all right and she saw her great grandma we're talking about this in a sec but they also made it the basis of the villains so we had to go there we never see her powers really used in new york we never see the introduction of any villains not really it's basically understanding her culture as if this was a giant representation of the partition of india and how it affected her family and why it caused her family to migrate to america i mean which, which doesn't make any sense, because, you know, her nani and her cousins are in India, where the wedding is happening, where they went to, right? It it took away a lot from the character. While it explains a lot of the origin of her family, and it's really an origin of her superpower, to be completely honest. It's it's the bracelet, man. It's, it's not anything else. It's all about the damn bracelet, which is... I mean that's I mean that's part of the reason why a lot of people have a, an issue with her power switch because of the V X X effect, but it comes from the bracelet as if it without the bracelet she wouldn't have the power, which is an entirely different dynamic that may or may not you know work in her favor in the future because without the bracelet does she have the power or because she's inhuman does that make does that does that bracelet Like, does it exponentially increase her powers or enhance it? Maybe she has the power within her. Maybe the bracelet gets destroyed one day. And because we haven't touched on... I mean, we did, but there's no real proof to prove that the S.H.I.E.L.D. show actually crosses over and touches the MCU. If that were the case, then we've already done the Terrigen thing. Right? Because from, like, Season 4 all the way up to the end, Terrigen was a huge proponent, pushing a lot of the antagonists... Uh, into conflict against the protagonist in the show. So, if that's the case, and the origins of her in the comics shows her getting powers due to a terigen cloud because she is partly born from an Inhuman, I mean, how are we going to loop all that together? There's a lot of questions there. And there's no time dilation. So, given that the show, Loki, explained to us that there is a force out there, the force without time that monitors time, because it creates variants. Does I mean, does her traveling back in time mean that we're going to get a variant of her in the future? Did it create a variant of her in a different timeline? Was there any excess time shifting as a result to her going back in the past and saving her Nani, or was that supposed to happen? Who knows? We don't know that. I don't, I don't know if anybody in the writer's room thought about that. And if they did, then it's not something we're going to see anytime soon. Because they keep doing these six these six episode shows, hoping that that's just enough. The problem is, you, you can't go one year now that they've done this without going into the shows without giving us features. And a lot of these shows aren't connecting to any features that are coming out as a result of of the shows. So it's kind of the why there's I mean they the shows could possibly be foreshadowing and there's a lot of easter egg stuff that I haven't looked into that I could be missing. But what what it seems like we're establishing right now with this year and last year are basically just kind of like scenery building. Like yes, Loki exists over here. Here is what the end of time looks like. And and the in in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this is this is uh, this was what Madripoor looks like, right? Over here in Miss Marvel, this is what New Jersey looks like. Over here in in Moon Knight, this is what you know Egypt and and a bunch of other locations looks like, including um, what is that country he went to? People said it was a huge uh, Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom uh, Easter egg. Fuck, I, I forgot. I forgot. Um, the name of uh, the the country that Doctor Doom uh, rules over and presides over. You have, you have that. You have all these different places being set up in the Marvel Universe through Disney Plus shows. And now they've got these, but they're not really doing a whole lot with the characters, really. Um, I thought Moon Knight was great. I didn't think it was the best story for Moon Knight. Or Conshu, a lot of people are asking, you know, like, well, are we going to go to season two? We're going to see, are we going to see his comrade come back? Because I mean, Marvel, Marvel's Moon Knight had a, a huge storyline that involved all these different aspects of Moon Knight's personality, but it didn't, it didn't come out until he broke his legs. That was when he kind of lost his mind and created these other personalities. So, but this isn't a Moon Knight review, so. Going back to to Miss Marvel, I just kind of had to explain that because it sounded a little bit. It sounded it sounded relevant, and it kind of is relevant to to how they're doing the shows. So now we have Miss Marvel, that's into everything, and it's done what? It's opened up the show. If anything, it's told us a tragic story, reopening a lot of pain for a lot of a lot of Pakistani Indians, um, Afghanistan, a lot of people from the Middle East who've migrated, and been you know. Citizens over here in America might have opened up old wounds or maybe it did teach some people about the history and I do think history is important it's one of my favorite subjects hell, Wild Oni is basically an alternative supernatural uh, history fiction of the 15th century of Japan so I'd be hypocritical to not say that acknowledging the partition within her storyline if it had more relevance is relevant but it kind of wasn't because it told the origins of the of the of the bracelet, not the character. I mean, we never really get indefinite proof in the show that she that her great grandmother is a descent of inhuman. She gets the bracelet. She's just the chosen. And then she be she herself becomes chosen. Kamala becomes chosen. It just it wasn't the best light for Miss Marvel, in my opinion. It wasn't. It really wasn't. Um, the uh, the her best friend was kind of confusing i don 't know if he was a character in the comic books or not um, her love interest very confusing not sure what it had to do with anything setting up for the future you can't really tell where they're going in the future of miss Marvel and there's no rumors all we know is that this is the best version or uh, this is the best actor for the role and this is kind of how they set up the storyline. I just—it's one of those things where diversity and inclusion, kind of overshadowed the character of the book. Now, this is coming from somebody who—the only Miss Marvel property he's read—was in, um, what is that series called? Uh, Future Champions. They don't go in a backstory because it's not her book. So I've I've never read the original Miss Marvel's. And I probably will now that I've I've had a topic on this, I've had a discussion. By the point, though, besides the point, it's um it just wasn't as good as I thought it could be, could have been for the character. And this is coming from somebody who values character driven storylines over big plot lines. And because there is no indication. Of big plot lines, I mean the main, the main villainous group besides the group that was chasing her for the for the for the bracelet this whole time with Damage Control, and that was created uh, in the very first Spider Man you saw after the fallout of New York City in the first Avengers movie. I mean, Damage Control are the ones are the ones that pretty much created the Vulture in that movie. They seized they seized his construction site and took over. It was legitimately a part of shield, so I mean, there's no I mean is that going to pop up later later on in other shows? Who knows? there's really no indication for what's going to be set up in the future. All we know is that this 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 bangle, this this bracelet has a, a large history and is basically a family heirloom of power, and she gets chosen by it, and she's struggling to be the hero that she wants to be. Will we get to see a crossover with her and Miss Marvel? Maybe. I hope so. And a lot of the animated shows that they've had Miss Marvel in. Um, specifically speaking about the short ones that involve her and Squirrel Girl, um, she she's directly under Miss Marvel. So Miss Marvel, I think, led the what, the Avengers initiative? Four time? The new Avengers initiative? Four time? in that show. Um, There was Squirrel Girl. There was a few other characters that I've forgotten about. I wanted to say one of them's name was Pyro, maybe. Can't remember. It's been a long time. But, um, I am just, I thought it could have been better. And, and of course, the direction that Disney Plus and Disney and Marvel Studios keeps going with these Disney Plus films. It's just, it's not gonna, it's not gonna gain traction. The only reason people are going to see these movies is because we're we're looking for the comparisons in the comic book and how well they're presented on the screen. And we're looking to see if they're telling strong character stories and if they really mean anything. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder was a huge one because it's supposed to explain Thor's abandoning, or not really abandoning, but handing down or stepping down as King of Asgard and handing it off to Valkyrie. Um, we're supposed to see that emotional journey because it takes him takes him a long while to come out of that that frosting that he was kind of like built over years of after killing Thanos and having so much guilt for not doing it the first time the right way and then not feeling any kind of satisfaction after he killed Thanos the second time so there's, there's an emotional story there that people are expecting because those expectations were set way back in that movie um, I didn't get the feeling of that in Ms. Marvel. I didn't. So, that's my opinion. That's my review. That's my take. All these Disney Plus shows and what I don't think is going to work for them in the long run. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's nothing to fear. Disney, so long as they have Marvel, Marvel Studios, they're going to break away. They're, they're always going to have these movies now. They're always going to have these shows, these films they're not going anywhere. They're in it for the long haul, I'm sure. Because these films, these shows, they're all going to make movies. They're, they're all going to make money. They, they are. And that's the driving force behind you know, all these franchises is the promise of making large money. And so long as they have these shows out there, they're always going to. So uh, whether or not I get to be a part of this world one day, that's up in the question. I really do hope that I get to be a part of somewhere in this MCU history. Somewhere way, way down the line, whether it be writing a comic or be writing a television show, either one would be okay with me. But, it's been another exciting episode of Comics and Pop Tarts, and as I said before, I wanted to be more conflictual, more controversial, and more hard-hitting and passionate than ever before this year, this season. I hope today I fulfilled my obligation to you. I would love to know your comments. You can go to comicsandpop-tarts.com. The letter N pop tartscom I got a voicemail section giving you 90, 90 to 180 seconds to tell me what it is you liked about this episode, this show, who you'd like to see on the show, any recommendations, and you know, all the latter. What you thought about Miss Marvel. You can also send me an email at comics underscore underscore poptarts at yahoo.com for any requests and any comments on this episode or previous episodes in the past. My name is Inevitable Mike. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful weekend. Never stop creating. And um, keep doing what you love. Please like, subscribe, and come back to listen to me soon. Thank you for joining the Tardy Party. I hope you guys have a party week. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening again. Inevitable Mike, out. (laughs)